This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. This month's weather may be deceptive, but winter is coming and hundreds of thousands of Zoomers are getting set to head south to avoid it. But do you have travel insurance that covers all the bases? We'll talk about what snowbirds need to know before getting away. And from the dawn of time to the present, across all cultures and religions, humans have had rituals around the care of the dead. We'll have a fascinating look from this year's winner of the Kundal Prize in Historical Literature. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Do we need a federal minister responsible for seniors? A Conservative MP in Langley, B.C. says it's time the federal government should return to the practice of appointing one. Mark Warawa conducted a poll within his riding and nearly 90% said there should be a minister of seniors in Ottawa, while 94% supported a national senior strategy to address the kind of issues at the core of CARP's mandate, including ensuring quality home care and a national Alzheimer's strategy. A new report reveals that Zoomers had the highest rate of hospitalizations for opioid poisonings over the last eight years in Canada, most of them accidental. Nearly a quarter of those admitted because of this were in the 65-plus age group. The Canadian Institute for Health Information and the Canadian Centre on Substance Abuse report that last year, 13 Canadians per day were hospitalized after taking pain-killing medications like oxycodone and morphine, and that was a more than 30% hike from eight years prior. The man who is best known as the radio voice for the Toronto Blue Jays has been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Fly ball deep left field. Yes, sir, there she Jerry Howarth announced he started having high PSA levels about five years ago, an indication that he could have prostate cancer. And after a biopsy suggested he did not have the disease, an MRI found the tumor. The 70-year-old Howarth is set to undergo surgery later this month. And Morgan Freeman's mantle is getting a little more crowded. I have to remind myself that some birds aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright. And when they fly away, the part of you that knows it was a sin to lock them up does rejoice. The AARP is awarding Morgan Freeman the 2016 Movies for Grown-Ups Career Achievement Award. The 79-year-old Freeman is known for his work in dozens of Hollywood hits, including Driving Miss Daisy, Unforgiven, and The Shawshank Redemption. He also won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his role in 2004's Million Dollar Baby. Other winners of the AARP's Movies for Grown Ups Career Achievement Award include 
Robert De Niro, Michael Douglas, and Susan Sarandon. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It seems simple. If you're heading south for the winter, you should have travel insurance. But what exactly do you need to know? Stacy Hughes-Brooks from RBC joins us to talk about it. I would say getting travel insurance is important and travel protected. They need to know that they would need coverage for the entire duration of their trip. They would want to seek a reliable uh, insurance provider in Canada that has a 24-7 assistance provider who can be accessed should they need it in a medical situation. Now, a lot of people might have some kind of insurance with their credit card, correct? Correct. There's some misunderstandings out there in terms of when coverage starts and ends. Uh, Age 65 is typically an age when medical uh, coverage ceases on the credit card, so they'd want to seek supplementary travel insurance. The first thing that people have to do is fill out a medical questionnaire. So how important is that? So it's extremely important that accurate information is provided in the, in the questionnaire, as it may be, it may be looked at uh, later if there is a claim situation that surfaces. So if you're not sure, I would strongly suggest that the traveler would go to their physician if they're not sure about particular answers to the questionnaire. What are the kinds of questions? The questionnaire will get into things like, have you had past heart conditions? Uh, Have you had cancer? What happens, like, if there's something inaccurate on your answers? It would be considered um, a misrepresentation on the application, uh, and current practice would be to refund those policies. But there is definitely a a review of the situation surrounding any um, inaccurate information, a part of the application process that happens before the policy is refunded. What's the situation, say you have a heart condition? I can be experiencing a heart condition, living with a heart condition, but provided it would be stable prior to travel Libby, there would be coverage for that heart. Okay, and uh, there's a time consideration with what's considered stable, right? Correct. Yeah, and that would uh, typically depend on how the medical questionnaire is answered and which underwriting category that you would fall into. So, say, for example, our firmest pre-existing exclusion would be six months. So if I had a six-month exclusion on my heart, then heart-related conditions would not be covered. However, many folks fall into either a three- or six-month stability with Canadians remaining in better health condition. Um, These days, we're, we're covering more people for longer that do have stable but existing medical situations. Can you give us a ballpark of how much it costs? Like, say, if you're between 65 and 70 or 70 and 75, and maybe you have one pre-existing stable condition. So let's say you're going to take a 30-day trip. You are between the ages of 60 and 69. It's $150 for our class a product, if you will, or the one with the less restrictive pre-existing exclusion. So, of course, the factors that drive premium would be length of stay, age, and responses to the medical questionnaire. They're all factors in the ultimate and premium that you would be asked to pay for coverage. And if you have a more restrictive um, medical condition, how, how much would that go up? Some of the premiums, if they're staying out of the country for six months and an older traveler, they are going to pay a higher premium for sure. And w- what would that look like? Approximately, um, I, I probably have been probably around a thousand dollars, twelve hundred dollars. I've seen premiums in that neighborhood for somebody who's over seventy-five, staying for in the neighborhood of a six-month stay. 
That was Stacy Hughes-Brooks from RBC with some helpful tips on traveling south this winter. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up after the break, the Kundal Prize for Historical Literature was handed out this week. We'll talk with the winner when the Zoomer Week in Review returns. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. It's the largest prize for non-fiction historical writing in the world. Thomas Lacker won the 75,000 U.S. Kundal Prize for a book on a subject that has haunted him for decades, how and why we have cared for the dead through the ages. He dropped by our studios to talk about the work of the dead, a cultural history of mortal remains. Thomas Lacker, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me here. Why did you decide to explore this subject? Well, it's difficult to answer because I never really believe that I decide to explore any subject. I always feel that a subject sort of comes knocking on my psyche and persists in knocking till I let it in and figure it out. So this is a subject that I've been interested in. That is to say the subject of what the dead mean to us. Um, for as long as I can remember. And I've been thinking about it as a historian for 40 years. And so I just couldn't figure out what book would solve my interest in it. And 10 years ago, I got the question that helped me write the book. And the question is, so why do we care for the dead? So why do we care for the dead? Well, the most general answer, we care for the dead, because we're human. And Antigone, Sophocles' activity back in the 5th century, sort of got it right. It's not just this or that convention. Um, this, is, this has been the, the order of the gods um, from eternity. And we don't have to believe in the Greek gods, but what she means by this, this is part of what it is to be human and regard our fellow humans as part of this long community in time. There are some religious beliefs that say you can't mutilate a body. The religious beliefs that say you can't mutilate a body. Um, and there are obviously many, many, many religious beliefs about bodies everywhere. What I discovered and what interested me is that um, caring for the dead in whatever the locally specific way is, is the case whether you have a religious belief or don't have a religious belief or believe in a soul or don't have a soul. In other words, in other words, I think that religious beliefs are kind of back formations. They're stories we tell ourselves about why we do these sorts of things, but we do them anyway. If it's not a religious belief, then what is it that impels us? That's the that's the deep question. What is it that impels us? Look, there's something enchanted about the body and about our relationship, which has been there from the very beginning. And we understand this in our particular circumstances each time. And that some people will give you religious beliefs, and then you ask them, push it one further, and you start hand-waving and mumbling. And some people won't go through the religious belief stage and just do it because it means something to, to them. But, but I tend to downplay in this book the notions of beliefs as sort of things that we – abstract and think about and try to talk about praxis and practical things. And practically speaking, and how we evolve is practically speaking, we need to have the dead near us. 
And so 9-11 Memorial in Washington, people will spend a gigantic amount of money and effort to have all these bone fragments beneath all these names. I think you'd be very hard-pressed if you ask any visitor or anyone, there, why? What about people who weren't Christian and the big difference in rituals? Muslims and Jews have to be buried within 24 hours. Christians usually have their funerals <clears throat> three days. Right. Well, it's interesting. I mean, when you actually look at it, um, they are generally, you're absolutely right, but there are lots of exceptions with Jews and Muslims too. Look, there's all sorts of different customs. For example, in some Jewish communities, people waited with the body longer than a day because they were worried the spirit is still around. So I don't go into every version of the story. But what I do say is that basically all the Abrahamic religions bury, and they bury in specific places with their kind. And then you go to something like the Zoroastrians, which is a part of this rough world. They don't bury. They leave them outdoors for the birds to eat. But it's done highly ritualistically. There are special dogs that observe this sort of, these, these sorts of activities. So no one does it casually. And I, I- I was going to ask about that, about sky burial in yeah. Nepal where they leave them for the vultures. Well, in some places in Tibet, they actually slash the bodies so it's easier for the for the birds to get them. In in Persia, uh, the Zoroastrians and the Parsi, they, put, they don't do that. They put them on towers. But we can go through a long list in some places to sort of stew them. I mean, people do all sorts of strange things with, with, with the dead. But the interesting thing to me, they, no one ever does it. No one tosses them out. There are some new technologies where you can get yourself made into a diamond right. or a glass. or Right. You can get yourself shot into space. Hunter yeah. Thompson and your shotgun shell. No, people are inventing all sorts of being tattooed. Ash is going into portraits that are, that are the artist that takes ash and makes portraits using it. So people do all kinds of things with ashes now. Um, people are endlessly inventive with what they do with the dead. Is any of this particular our generation, anything like that? Well, I think every generation, not every generation, I think, as you know, everything here speeds up. So we now have memorial books on Facebook, uh, which didn't exist 20 years ago. And so I think think technological change makes possible a whole bunch of other ways of remembering the dead than before. And likewise, these new technologies that allow you to make diamonds of it. And furthermore, Peter Thiel and some of these – avant-garde guys in the Silicon Valley are into cryogenics now, again, yeah. into freezing the dead, claiming that someday we'll be able to. So, you know, I think every generation or so many generations has some new scheme to create mortality. And 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 I'm more comfortable talking about the past than I am the future. Um, in the past, though, people have been endlessly creative about dealing with the dead and dealing with death. And I, my guess will be they'll keep being that in the future. Each of these questions that you're asking me are wonderful questions, but and they also have answers in particular people's lives, but you have to get down and dirty at such a level that's just inaccessible to the historian. So what I can really tell you is that, look, what really happens in the 19th century is a vast explosion of people around funeral practices. And I, I think the answer to that is because increasing precariousness of life and position. So poor people now are much more interested in the funerals than ever before. Because to not have a proper funeral really means to say you're literally worthless. You're not you were poor and not no one would pay for your work when you were alive. And now you're just dirt. And so people would main form of working class savings in the nineteenth and early twentieth century is for funerals and for these little 
trinkets that a life had been lived and that life's important. And the thread, you know, from the beginning to now? The thread. The thread is the thread is that the the thread is as I'd say in the title, really, the thread is the, the dead do work for the living. The dead make communities, the dead keep families together, the dead create nations, the dead produce different kinds of religious communities, the dead connect friends. So the dead work for the living. And we need the dead more than the dead need us. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. That was Kundal Prize winner Thomas Lacker, author of The Work of the Dead, A Cultural History of Mortal Remains. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. In a moment, Canadian Zoomer legend Gordon Lightfoot celebrated his 78th birthday this week. More from the multi-Juno award winner when we return. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. David Oyelowo is sharing backstage banter on James Bond with 007 star Daniel Craig as they get set to open Othello off-Broadway. Craig plays Iago, Oyelowo plays the lead. Oyelowo is the voice of the audiobook version of the new Bond thriller Trigger Mortis. Previews for the sold-out Othello begin at the New York Theatre Workshop. 95-year-old Prince Philip attended a private tour of the new $100 million design museum in West London, which opens to the public this week. Christie's Hong Kong is hosting The Loaded Brush. Brett Gorvey, the head of international post-war and contemporary art, says the exhibition is inspired by the work of abstract expressionist artist Willem de Kooning. The exhibition is at Christie's Hong Kong until November 28th. And in Washington, the Smithsonian American Art Museum has reimagined its permanent collection galleries to feature 59 acquisitions covering folk and self-taught art. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, Canadian music legend Gordon Lightfoot celebrated his 78th birthday. For decades, he's been one of Canada's most celebrated singer-songwriters and a favorite here at Zoomer Radio. This month also marks the anniversary of the inspiration of one of his most famous songs, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. It was a stormy November evening in 1975 when the freighter went down in Lake Superior. A year later, Lightfoot read a recounting of the incident in Newsweek magazine and sat down to write the iconic song, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. That was Gordon Lightfoot with The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Lightfoot celebrated his 78th birthday this week, and this month is the 41st anniversary of the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Come back next week when we are joined by former city councillor and mayoral candidate Doug Ford about his explosive new book, Ford Nation. 
Join us in a week's time to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Dave Woodard and Paul Thomas. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.